What are you guys holding in English? About 18, 19? So in the Hebrew, we're on page 25, Ois Yud. And in the English, page 22, where it says, See God in everything. Got it. Yeah? You can, yeah? Oh, you can Anyone need? Yaakov? Page 22. See God in everything. This is what we're up to in English. All right. Now, <clears throat> the truth is that we, uh, we already began Ois Yud. We started the first couple of lines. Um, and we're gonna, but, we'll, it's, but we didn't get to the second half of, of Ois Yud, which we're going to have to talk a lot about. Because if you remember, how does he start Ois Yud? How does he introduce this, this chapter? Al Yishka Chover HaChavrayas Iker Kavanaseinu BeChavrayasinu B'nei Machshavatoeva don't forget what's our main purpose in B'nei Machshavatova. And we learned already last week, last week we finished the class learning, where the Piazetzner was saying that all the things we've been doing until now were just tools. In today, the parlance of our times, like the dude said, um, they're called having tools in the tool belt, right? Yeah, different things, spiritual tool belt. So things to pull out to be able to serve Hashem. You know, like he said, arousing an emotion, catching an emotion when it arises, using it as a time to serve God. Right? Mm-hmm. But then he begins Oisyud by saying, but that's not the ultimate. <clears throat> using the Ravid, making pictures of, you know, picturing, visualizing God, that's not yet with the Ikr Matarasenu. That's not the main point of the group. And then he says, what is the main point of the group? And, and it's really a flash to the meat and like meat and potatoes of the, of the book. He, does, he explains it more, more, much more later on, but it's a flash. It's like, you know when you get a portion of cholent? So you get like a nice piece of meat and then like a small measly piece of meat. So you're like, you have the measly piece, and then you like eat the beans and stuff, and you save the big piece for last, right? So it's sort of like he's giving us a piece of meat now in a couple of lines. It's really just a couple of lines where he says the mamash the whole nakuda, and he's going to say it, he's going to develop it later on. So we're going to have to spend some time on it. So let's first read what I what I just spoke outside. Let's read. Let's read. Let's read it inside. Aval alna yishka chaver chavraya. Don't forget ikur kavanaseinu. What's the main point of bnei machshavateva? What's the main point of becoming people of good consciousness, people of good thinking, people of good conscious thinking? Shaleidailana b'machshava kagayin zubavad. It's not enough to have the thoughts that we've been speaking until now themselves. Shabenkach ve'kikach. Whether you and and. Whether you're using any of the ways, the tools that I spoke about until now, you're still connected to physical things, right? Again, the, the whole idea that we're trying to get to is to release consciousness and thought from the senses, from the five senses, to release consciousness from the five senses. Because usually we'll only feel our consciousness in the five senses, so to release it from them. Even though the Pizetzner explained to us that having emotions and stuff, that's all his galos and nefesh, it's all revealing the nefesh, right? But it's not the ultimate. The ultimate is to go beyond the five senses and even thought that the thought shouldn't be connected to Gashmias. Meaning to have a pure thought without thoughts of Gashmias, without any connection to physicality. Or form. He says, 
So until now you have some thoughts that you have to mamish make an image as if you're mamish seeing God with a human form. Right? Remember when we learned that, that to, to the way that he learns the Ravit. <laughs> and when you want to arouse yourself, you have to arouse emotion. You want to arouse emotion to be able to serve Hashem, right? That, that's the Piazetsna's way that no matter how you get into the jail cell, hug your son. Once you get the emotion, use it for Hashem. So, but how did he say, what example did he give to arouse the emotion? Thinking about the day you die. To go into the details, the nitty gritty, scary details of the funeral, etc. You have to think about things that are bothering you. That was another Eitzah he gave before the funeral. He said, or before the day of your death, he also said, think about things, your issues that are bothering you. Things that hurt you, things that are troubling you. As long as you're alive, something's going to be troubling you. That's, that's what this world is about. So think about those things that make you feel emotional and then bring that to Hashem. But that's still connected to things of this world. And so he says... Would we call such a person that needs these physical things, these physical connections to connect to God, would we call such a person a man of the spirit and a person of machshava, of thought? Now this is a very... I didn't like so much, uh, I looked at Rabbi Shulman's translation over here, it's, usually his translation is genius, but over here I didn't particularly agree with it. He translated Isha Ruach as a spiritual person. But I think it's more than just a spiritual person. Isha Ruach, Ruach is, you know, in, in the philosophy they always bring the German word Geist. You know the word Geist? Geist, I mean, it could mean ghost, which is how the poor translation of Holy Ghost happened. Because, but Geist means spirit. But when, like, they say the geist of the times, the spirit of the times. What do you mean when you say the spirit of the times? Explain that. Feeling of the times. The, I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's, it's hard. Like, what's the spirit of this room right now? <clears throat> yeah, tell me. What's the spirit of the room right now? Openness, quiet. Dark. Dark? No, it's dark in here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I know how to get dark, but I didn't think I was getting dark. I don't know, it's dim. <laughs> I don't know, it's like, it's like, a, like a spirit of, of learning and connecting. And okay, so... Kabura, like being our Kabura, like it's... Oh, it's there's not, a feeling... It's not revelrous right now, we're not like, it's not like a revelrous room, it's more like an... It's like a... Library. We're studying together. We're learning. Together. <clears throat> that was more than a library. No, okay. David, tell you one of my Someone best. Someone else answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you started speaking. One of my best memories. You mentioned library. One of my best memories, uh, earliest memories of Rabbi Weinberger. So this goes back to I was I guess fifteen years old. So we're talking about thirty years ago. So when we first started Eish Kodesh, it was in the Woodmere Academy. That's where the first minyanim was, I think for the first maybe year, maybe a year and a half. I don't know exactly how long, but it was in the Woodmere Academy. Woodmere Academy is a big private fancy school in Woodmere in the five towns. And the minion was in the Woodmere Academy, the library. And that's what it was. So, you know, people called it the library minion for a while. 
Did you use your library voices? Huh? Library no, voices. So, no, so Rabbi Armaga always made it a point to say on Shabbos, don't say it. He kept making that joke a lot of times. But the best part was there was a sign, a big sign that said, please no eating. And we had Shal Shudas there. And I think the first or second Shabbos, I, I pointed, I said, Rabbi, look. And uh, he, took, he took a piece of gefilte fish and he pointed at the sign and he ate it. <clears throat> so he's reminded of the library. So when you say with a library voice, that, you know, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Anyway, but what's the point I was trying to get to? What's the spirit of the times? What's the spirit? How people of... are feeling. Like, you know, in the world right now, <clears throat> the world right now feels like anxious and worried, some people. Right. You know, there's like a, there's like a what's going to happen next sort of and thing. That, and that spirit is felt in movies that are coming out now. And the in news. The news. How people talk to each other, so they're concerned, yeah. you know. That's okay. the geist. So how yeah. would you explain that? That's the spirit. You, what you mean when you say isharuach, a person of spirit. When you say a person of spirit, it's not just a spiritual person, because that can mean a lot of wishy-washy things. What it means a person of spirit is that you have a way of experiencing life that has a spirit to it. And so what I'm saying, Isha Ruach, it's a very modern term, and, and especially even in, in, in modern Hebrew, it's used very often as a, a profound thinker. It's called an Isha Ruach. What's the idea of a profound thinker? That you don't just take things at face value, you look yeah. into them. Depth. Depth, a deep person. That's an Isha Ruach. And so the Pizetsu is saying a person of depth, a person of spirit, is not going to just connect to God by thinking of a funeral. I mean, that's laughable. I mean, of, of course it's important. He said these are, these are tools we could use, but they're not the end all be all. They're not, that's not how you become a deeply connected to God. There has to be something much deeper than that, than just using your, the emotions of physicality to connect. A, a look mensch is someone, it's not a compliment. Correct. <clears throat> a luft mensch, um, in, how would you say, in, in English they call it a, a luft mensch. Is a, no, that's not a, a okay, luft mensch is a, head in the clouds. a space cadet. A loop, yes. When I was a kid, not they used to call loop. it a space cadet, not a luft. Not a loof. No. You know what a space cadet is? In my days, what was, what was a space cadet? Like a, when you call, yeah. Like an airhead. Like an airhead. No, less than well, airhead. Less than airhead. Well, like, 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 like an absent minded like professor. The absent minded professor, right. A person staring up at the ceiling and thinking about God knows what, right? So that's a space that you're like, not in reality. You're like, that's a luftmensch. But, because, but literally, Luftmensch is a translation of airhead. So the Luft is air, not spirit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the truth is spirit, spirit you could also, is a translation of Ruach also, right? Meaning it is connected somehow to, to air. But the Nakud of, of the way he's saying Isha Ruach here means spirit, not air. Luftmensch means an airhead, means an air person. It's a negative, it's a negative thing. Here he's saying obviously very positive. Let's see, the spirit of the 60s was revolution. Correct. And, and the spirit, like Evan said, the spirit of the 2010s is anxiety. I don't want to say and, for everyone. And no, depression. Not for everyone, no. anxious. I'm just saying, I think if the zeitgeist of the times right now feels a little bit more like I'm just like, what's going to happen next? <clears throat> I don't know if you guys feel that. Therefore, how does it relate to Pizetzner's So back, back to here. So the Pizetzner's saying that a person of depth, a person of spirit, a person of geist, it's not enough to just have a connection to God through your physical connections, through the physical thoughts, thinking of God physically, using your emotions about stake. That's not a person of depth. It's a very important thing, 
But that's not the ultimate Isha Ruach. That's not the ultimate Ben HaMachshava. Right? He says, the ultimate, that's not the Halazei Would you call such a person Isha Ruach U Ben HaMachshava? Because again, we're Bnei Machshava Toiva. And again, here to Rabbi Shulman translates Ben HaMachshava as a thinker. It's not just thinker. I mean, it's the, yes, but it's consciousness. Like we've spoken about before that the idea of Bnei Machshava Toiva is a consciousness. It's not just it's not just thinking. It's, it's using the thought to come to a state of consciousness. So Pizetsu says, that's, until now, what we've spoken about until now is not it yet. That's not it yet. Ritzoyneinu anuhu, what do we want? What is the ultimate? What's the machshava toiva we're looking for? Likraya bikriya achas es kol hamosach haparusel kol To be able to tear away with one tearing, with one movement, to tear away the whole curtain, the whole veil that's, that spreads out upon life. Upitaim that suddenly, tiris atzmacha, oimer lefnei kvoidi izbachs. All of a sudden you'll see yourself standing before God among angels, b'toich machana g'deol shamalachim, v'srafim among angels, among srafim, v'at echamim, and you're one of them. You know, it's the exact opposite of the Wizard of, the, of Oz. It's not the exact opposite. What's the Varda Wizard of Oz? That when the curtain was pulled away, you see it's given a clean amensh, a garnished, right? Here, when you tear away the curtain, you see that, you, that everything's there burnished them. You're standing in front of Ein Sof. Mm-hmm. The curtain here conceals the truth of Hashem. In that one, you know, that, that and, and the, the idea of curtain, I mentioned this last week, the idea of a curtain, we'll, we're going to speak more in a couple of moments, but the, the idea of a curtain is an idea from Kabbalah. It's, it's essentially in Kabbalah, and Hasidus uses it, but in Kabbalah, in, in, you have these ideas of these mesachim, of concealments. We spoke about this last week, I think, right? That like, usually when we think, when we speak about tzimtzum, right? When we say tzimtzum, that in order for God to bring about a, a finite world, God's light is infinite, and the world has to be a contracted teeny drop of God's light. So God first did Tzimtzum. What's Tzimtzum? That he made an empty void. He took, he concealed, completely concealed his infinite light and made a void that seemed completely empty, even though obviously God's essence is there too, but it's completely empty of revelation. And then brought back a line of light, the Kav, into the Chalal, into the void, right? That's called Tzimtzum Harisham in Hasidus, the original Tzimtzum. But then that line of light that then becomes all the worlds. You know, generally Kabbalah says there are four worlds. Atzilas, Bri, Yitzira, Nasiya. World of emanation, creation, action, and, and uh, a doing. Those four worlds. But of course in Kabbalah says there are thousands and thousands of worlds. And the worlds descend one from the other. What does it mean that the worlds descend? What makes one world lower than another one? how much tzimtzum there is in God's light. But here tzimtzum doesn't mean that we're taking away the light, so to speak. Here tzimtzum means what happens when a light goes through a curtain. You know when you have, so, you know, for your kid's room, you get those curtains, what do they call them that we have there? The blackout curtains? Mm. Those curtains, no light goes through. But let's say these curtains over here, when it's a sunny day, and, and light comes through it, Right? So light does come through it, but what kind of light? It's not the same light as if, there was, as if there wasn't a curtain there, right? That partition, that veil, as if it wouldn't be the same light. What, what's that, what happens to the light? 
Here it's not the same as the original Tzimtzum. Do you understand what I'm saying? The original Tzimtzum is a removal of his infinite light, even though, of course, the Baal Shem Tov said it's really still there. It's only concealment, but it's a concealment to the extent of as if it's not there anymore. Mashenkem, when the Kav, when God reintroduces his light into the Halal, what, and goes from one world to the next, the successive chain of one world to the next, what makes one world less than the other? The type of tzimtzum, that what happens when the light goes through the curtain? Explain that to me. It's a, it's a different type of light. It lessens. It lessens. Yeah, of course. It lessens. It lessens its intensity. It lessens its revelation. What would happen if you put in front of the, in front of the, the curtain, you put another veil? It would get yeah. even less, right? So that's what makes the worlds less and less. Until finally, Olam Hazagashmias is the ultimate final Concealment where we see no light. We see no light. If we if we would even if we would even see, I heard from Rabbi Khan. He said if we would even see the lowest angel in the world of Asiya, we would be zapped out of existence. And that's that's like one step above. We wouldn't we wouldn't feel we would just feel ourselves as God. We wouldn't have a separate existence. So that type of symptom to go from less and less light and revelation. That in Kabbalah and Hasidus is called the Masachim. Masachim. Masach. Curtain. In modern Hebrew, how do you say a mask? Masecha. Right? What's the idea of Masecha? It's concealing you. It's a Masach. Masach means a... It's in this week's parsha a few times. Masach lepesach hamishkan. Veil. Masach is a veil. So Masecha... Cons- huh? After... That's a masveh. That says masveh. That's a complete concealment, right? That would be a, you would say. I guess Gashmius is the masveh. So are but, you saying? Are you saying each world is a different veil? So what? Mm-hmm. Like, you said, what does it mean that it, a world is lower than another world? Uh huh. You're saying there's less light. Correct. How is there less light? Through the veils. So that means it is the veil. What's a veil? A veil is a, a lack a, of godliness. No, it's God. That's how Kabbalah sounds. That's how Kabbalah sounds. But the Baal Shem Tov explained, it's God manifesting as concealment. It's God manifesting as, as, as a, a lessening of the light. It's Hashem, it's, it's Hashem Shem Alekim. As opposed to Shem Havaya, which is a revelation of His light. Yeah, I don't know. Meaning, of course, the original symptom was also. Mm. It's a lack. Of course. So I'm saying... Is Hashem creating something at each world that He's lowering His light, or is He create? I mean, where? What's the source of that less of the veil? He created the veil, so that means that He just created the veil then. So it's a really good. You're asking really, really good in the language of Chassidus. What you're saying is when when the when the the or makes the kalim, makes the vessels, makes the form of the world. Where does the form and vessels begin? Right? It, it has to have a source also. It can't start just from the light, from a simple light. It has to have a deeper source. And so Chesidus explains how it has a source within, within the infinite, within the endless. Within what's called the essential power of finitude of the Ein Sof, meaning the way Ein Sof manifests as finitude, as concealment. In other words, we, we tend to think that what's a revelation of Hashem? When Hashem reveals Himself, when you feel a revelation of Hashem, but when God conceals Himself, then you don't see Him. 
So Chassid says, no, it's, it's, the concealment is as much him as much as the revelation. Hashem ve'elikim kulachad. Havai ve'elikim kulachad. So they're all him. But they're now him concealing the revelation till the angels, the lower level angels, see less and less light, etc. Am I making sense? And the Piazetzma is not getting into the Chabad Chassidus gets into the technicalities of all different Masochim. But here the Piazetzma is not getting into the technicalities, but he's saying, well, that's what he's hinting he's, when he uses that word, that Likroya Bekriya Acha says, Kol HaMosach HaParsel Kol To tear away, with one tear, the veil that's on life. What's the veil? That veil that's the opposite of the Wizard of Oz, like we said, Right? That we don't see the Ein Sof that's in everything. And if you take away that veil, the Pizetzner says, You'll see yourself standing before God. And what he's going to then say, <coughs> let, let's, let's read further. And you're one of those angels. <coughs> all the things we spoke about until now, all the advice I gave until now, they're only a means to an end. They're only a, a, a middle means. The ultimate the ultimate consciousness that we want to have. We don't just want to use the physical emotions. We don't just want to use steak. We don't just want to use a funeral. Rather, our ultimate purpose, which he's going to say is, so let's let him say it. To pick you up one level after another. Until it is revealed within your mind. Thought and excitement without form. Thought without form. Rather, an expression of thought. <clears throat> of consciousness that's so strong and pure, clean, clean of thought, clean, I'm sorry, clean of form. Nekia kokach, and your, your thought is so clean of form, so clean of physicality. Now this all, we're going to have to come back and explain it all. Like Lyme Malam, we're going to come back and explain. But let me keep reading a little so we get the whole thing, and then we'll come back. Because obviously, like I said before, this is the meat. This is a big piece of the meat over here of the book. You have a question, Abshleim, or you're just generally confused? I'm, just, I'm, not, yeah, I'm not thinking of anything. I know that in meditation, if you're not thinking of anything, so then you're not thinking of anything. You hear me? Not that you're not thinking of anything. Your thought has no form. It's pure from form. Yeah, right. to explain that. Right. We'll get back to that. <clears throat> Let's read further. A strong consciousness, a strong thought. So clean from form. Till you see God in everything. That's the ultimate. To be able to see, have a visualization of God without any form, without using physicality. To have a, a formless, pure visualization in the mind of God in everything you see. When you use the word visualization... I'm going to get to it. We're going to explain. Obviously, that's the meat and potatoes of what this book is about. So we're going to speak a lot about it. Let's just keep reading a few more lines and then, then we'll go back. I just want you to get the whole, the whole picture of the forest and then we'll get to the trees. 
Kaloimar. And what do I mean to say? That you're going to have such a pure thought, such a pure consciousness, and no longer Kaloimar, <clears throat> as if to say. Now, he's, what he's going to do now is, remember, until now we're used to always thinking that thought necessity is, is based on what the senses experience. Right? That's, I mean, that's what John Locke, I mean, the whole idea of the tabula rasa, the whole idea of, of a empiricism that, but... That's more, yeah, I mean, Hume. Yeah. Whatever, you expi- whatever you, your senses tell you is what you experience. Right? So seemingly, how could you have a thought without, without your senses? But the senses, what he's going to say to Pizetzner, that it could be one overcomes the other. He puts them as a dialectic, as like a contradiction. Let's see, look. Koloima. What does it mean that you're going to come to such a strong thought that whatever you see, you're seeing God? Koloima is if to say, Not that the senses should do their natural will, look at what they like looking at, hear what they look looking at. And to force the thought to think and picture like them. Right? In other words... What's the problem? What, what's, what's the... What's the uh, I mean, he's, the, the, we're going to get to the example very soon, but if you think about what's the ultimate example of how that Chazal say, which sense ultimately begins the whole chain of sin? Sight. Sight, right? And the sight, the, 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 what the I eye sees. Yeah. Yeah, what the eye sees, well, yeah. And yeah. hearing... Leib the, Leib huh? Yeah, right. So... so you, and, th- and that usually causes what your eye sees, your machshava has a hard time getting rid of. The Rebbe Shab speaks about this a lot, especially in Kunch Zavay, what we're doing Shabbos morning. Uh, I don't know if <laughs> everyone's there different weeks, I don't know. But, we sp- but one of the weeks we learned about, the Rebbe Shab says that the, all the senses, we're going to talk about this more next week to, in order to understand this, but just to, a little t- t- just to talk for a second, all the senses bring about pleasure to, the, to a person. But which, which sense brings the, has the deepest effect, the deepest pleasure in a person? And it's sight. Sight has an effect on the soul to a deep plate of pleasure of the soul that, that it, it, it comes to such a place that one completely could lose oneself. Right? And, and that's why it, the Rebbe Shab says one has to be careful of what one looks at. But, but he's... But, but the Pizetzner is also saying over here is that when you look at things, when you experience things with your senses, they have a deep imprint on the soul and on your thoughts, and it's hard for your thoughts to get released from, from what you saw. Has, what you see is what your thoughts usually um, uh, tra- uh, tra- uh, 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 turn towards, Right? So, but he says, what are we looking for? The opposite. Not that the senses should have sensual experience as they want. And force the machshava. To first force the thought. To only have sensual thoughts. Thoughts that come from the senses. We want the opposite. The thought will be able to think this pure, this this clean etzema machshava bloy demusvetzir without any form umis gaberes to the extent that they overcome the senses 
And in fact, the senses are a way that the thought is revealed in the world. And basically he says that it comes to a place where the senses, that until the extent that all the connection of the senses to the world is always going to be with thought. Okay, let's do some explaining because... Let's just read the bottom two lines. The bottom two lines. We'll, we'll get back to it. Look at the bottom two lines. I'm not trying to say that you should be blind deaf. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't have senses. That you shouldn't see the world. See the world. But see God in the world. Whether you're looking at the world or not. In the Sufi poetry, they talk about the fact that I see, when I close my eyes, is when I see God best. Right? I, see God, I see God's kingdom on the, on the, in the inner parts of my eyelids. So he says, Whether you're looking at the world or not, see Kedushat Hashem in the world. <clears throat> what does he mean to see God in the world? So the truth is. Before we, we're going to go back and explain everything. To, to really explain this, we're going to use from the Rebbe Rashab and Rav Kook to explain in a deeper way, because this is a very, this is the meat and potatoes, that's the crux of the matter of what does it mean to come to have this, this visualization of God without form, this strong thought. So, but it's, since it's so hard to understand and put into words because it's an experience we're talking about, it's not really something. So the only way to really give this over is poetry. So, um, I, my printer didn't work very well. Here, you want to pass these around, please? My printer's messed up. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. My printer so printed not so well. I apologize. But um, can, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah. There, I'm not I'm not understanding what. You're getting at what you're getting at. There okay. Is, you're not understanding? Yeah. There's one type of thing, like, we could discuss very logically how everything is Hashem. Okay. Right? It's very, right. Looks, right, we spoke about it a couple weeks ago, right? Is the world an illusion? It's a very rational thought. That's, I, I don't, is that what he's talking about here? Because that's, no. Very, that's very easy. That's no, very, of course not. That's, a, to, to just say the word is a fact, yeah. is doesn't have an effect on your senses. Okay. Fine. Here he's saying, He's saying, uh, let's go back a couple of where he says, the, the opposite, that your thoughts should overcome your senses, yeah. to overcome the senses, and then, knows your thought is going to, number one, overcome your senses, and number two, then through your senses, you're gonna, through, the thought will use the senses to see the world in, in a way that you see God. I'll give you an example. Yeah, Here, let, me, let me give you an example. What does it mean <clears throat> that your thoughts overcome your senses? Very simple example. Tell me if it ever happened to you. You're driving, and there's something you're thinking about that really bothers you. Something that, you know, really somebody, you know, pissed you off. Like, your mom is fuming mad. You can't stop thinking about it. Or... You have to give a speech the next day in front of your boss and you're thinking about what it is. You're thinking about something and you miss the exit. Ever happened to anyone? Mm-hmm. Yes. What happened? <laughs> I'm sure it happened to everyone here, right? What ha- what, why did you miss the exit? Were your, senses, see- were your senses seeing the road or not? Yeah, sure. yeah. 
Yes, but your thought, your exactly. In other words, your there's mind. the chitzonius of Ria. The chitzonius of Ria is there. Right. You're right. The the outer part of, of you seeing, but you weren't attending to to your thoughts. Were attending, your yeah. thoughts were overcoming your senses. Yeah. You understand? That's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about saying that everything's God. Allen Ginsberg does that in how. Right? Holy, holy, holy. Right? That's very easy to say that the nostrils are God and, you know, the prostitute is holy. And it's easy to say that. But that doesn't mean anything until one has that thought, like you were saying before, like we said, for Isha Ruach, a person of Geist. That that becomes, what, remember we spoke about what does it mean to be like this, the, a, a Geist, a person that has Geist, a, that you have like the spirit. It becomes the way you see, visualize reality. You understand, Yaakov? Anyway, this is, I think this is going to be a, a good introduction to understand what the Pizetson is trying to say. This is from Wordsworth, from Intimations of Immortality. Um, <clears throat> so I, we're not, we don't have time to go through the whole thing. It's very, very long. So I sort of skipped around a couple of the lines. And the point of this ode of Wordsworth, <clears throat> we're starting from the side that says on the top, there was a time. William Wordsworth, who's one of the great Romantic poets from the 19th century, 1800s, during the height of the Romantic movement, he, in poetry, he's one of the, the greatest of the Romantic poets. And one of the ideas in, in, Rom, in, the Rom, in Romanticism is nostal- nostalgia for the past, right? I actually just saw this week, you know, Rousseau, who was very instrumental for both for the French Revolution and Kant, but Rousseau, um, like, Romanticized primitive man, like made this, the whole the thing. Savage. Huh? The, the noble, noble savage. savage, right? The noble savage, primitive man. Before we had all the shackles of society, but I read somewhere if, if we would only know how dirty and filthy, <laughs> you know, how the, how they really lived back then, we wouldn't romanticize them as much, right? They were still killing each other with rocks and stuff. But Lamaisa. Um, Wordsworth. Uh, um, romanticizes childhood. That's the point of this poem. That's why this ode is called Intimations of Immortality. From Immortality. Huh? From Recollections of Childhood. So, but listen to what, what, what Wordsworth says, and I think this will help us as a good introduction to what, what the point of the Bnei Machshavotev is. He begins by saying, There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream the earth, I'm, I'm just, there, you're missing words, so if you want to fill it in with a pen or you just want to listen. There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream, the earth, and every common sight, to me did seem apparelled in celestial light, the glory and the freshness of a dream. It is not now as it hath been of yore, Turn wherever soe'er I may, by night or day, the things which I have seen, I now can see no more. Let's read a bit. Let's read again. What what is he I, saying here? I yeah. Have a teacher who said I don't think it was his own tradition. The poem goes from optics to epistemology. Interesting. It starts with your experience of sight and okay. But then it develops uh, a theory of human knowledge. Of, that what? Explain, because this is very what you're saying how, is very important. How the, the the sight eventually becomes the prism in which you understand reality, and you understand 
concepts. But what kind of sight is he talking about? Well, he begins with physical sight. Right, but the, physic- the physical optics is the science of of vision, of vision and visualization. And then eventually then the epistemology eventually develops into a theory of how human beings come to know and understand reality, not just see reality, but understand reality. Right. So, so that's, that's move, that, uh, so that's, that's exactly from that's youth a, to you know as we mature. It, the, the vision becomes blurred and dulled, but the mind is more furnished by the concepts and the ideas. When we were kids, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't think about the ideas. We just saw the reality immediately. You know, with Baby mind, like yeah, Zen. Right, with an immediacy, an unself-consciousness. Right. Whereas as we get older, and this is Hegel, you know, the, the consciousness I was gonna get to Hegel. comes to... I was going to get to Hegel. I was going to get to Rav Cook and Hegel. Yeah. More the dominant gesture. And so it's transformed, it's transfixed or transformed the vision into something higher from a point of view of understanding reality and knowing reality. And so what Wordsworth then wants to say in the poem is to go back to 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 recover that childlike, mindful, present way of viewing reality. In other words, to go to become B'nai Machshavatova, to be able to have that view of reality, that childlike view of reality. Let's read it again. There was a time when meadow, grove, and stream, the earth and every common sight, meaning things that seem to be common, to me did seem appareled in celestial light. Everyone knows what appareled means? Like clothed. Everything did seem clothed in celestial light the glory and the freshness of a dream. Can anyone explain what he means here? Because this is really important for what we're learning now in B'nai Machshavatova. Can anyone explain what he means? That everything was apparelled in a celestial light, the glory of a dream? There's like this thing I read, like Emerson, uh, it's called Self-Aligned, and he describes how a child perceives reality. Uh-huh. And, and there's a like, description of like, how he sees the trees and how he sees nature and how he like interacts with it as it is rather than like as an abstract concept. So I think... What he's trying to say is like not looking at something, oh look at that tree and like it's green and like analyzing it in like this very mental way, right. but just actually <clears throat> looking at something and experiencing it, which I think is very hard to do as an adult. Right. But very easy to do as a child. So exactly. like if you go to a movie, uh, like let's say you go to see Jurassic Park. And I actually the experience of seeing Jurassic Park as a kid as an adult is, is what I can speak to. So like seeing it as a kid, I'm like, wow, look at the dinosaur. And like this is amazing, you know, like that's what's gonna eat them and I just like I'm like in it. But then I saw Jurassic Park as an adult and I'm like, so Steven Spielberg made this movie? And what happened? And how did they get the dinosaurs to look like that? That's like cool visual effects. So I'm like looking at it through right. the lens of like how it was made and the effect. Right. Rather than like interacting with it as is. So I think the difference is like really when it's apparelled in celestial light is you're actually seeing it like for its glory rather than like trying to overanalyze it from like this not only not not only not overanalyze it, you know the classic anecdote they say about the professor trying to explain what Zen is is that he picks up the eraser and says, "What is this?" This one says an eraser. This one says a square. This one says uh, foam. Whatever it's made of, and so he throws it at someone and says, "That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is when it hits you." They, experience. That's what it is. The, the confrontation. That's what it is. 
Everything else is description. <clears throat> the, the idea of a dream, when we have a dream, so when we come out of a dream, it feels so darn real. Right. But it's, it's, we know intellectually that it, it isn't, but there's something we long to, I mean, if it's a nightmare, we don't, but if it's a good dream, like we want to be back in that dream. Like, what if, the, I wish back. this were, right. and, but it's so real when you come out of it. Yeah. Like so, to, like pinches. Is this real? Like, what is real and what? Why do you want to go back at into it? Why would you want to? Because the thought makes your reality. So we want to do that when you're awake. That the thought makes your reality. In other words, right. and the truth is, it's not just with God, but Lahavdil when it comes to, you know, cognitive. What do they call a CBT? A cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy, or or, the, or in all the self help books, they say that when Buddhism, this is all the time that the thoughts that you have become your reality the thoughts that you that you are that you chew on that becomes your reality right Rav Cook actually wrote in a letter once that we didn't need Kant he quotes Kant he said we didn't need Kant to tell us that our only experience of reality is relative and based on us that, that we can't that, that it, all of reality is relative to us right <clears throat> The way we see it is based on our, you know, Bradley the, has a famous book, Appearance and Reality. It's the difference between appearance and reality. What's the difference between appearance and reality? So the Pizestin wants to change our point of reference of reality that the appearance of it should be a way that you see God. That's what he's trying to say. Let's read further in the poem. The appearance of it? Yeah. The way that, in other words, the way that you view it, okay. have the, appearance, it it's the, the, the reality of it is God, but that's the way that its appearance should be to you also. Mm. Because the appearance of, Henry Thoreau said, it doesn't matter what you look at, what matters is what you see. You could be looking at a lot of things and seeing different things. I, like, you know, when, when you see, you imagine you're looking at a... Um, a street in Manhattan. So one person sees, you know, the, the beauty of, of many people, and one person sees a stifling, you know, uh, jail, and another person sees the wonders of architecture, and another person sees a way to make money. Everyone, you know, your, your perspective is your reality. Mm-hmm. So your perspective on, on the way you look at the world is what essentially consciousness is, is supposed to be. Let's just read a few more lines. The rainbow comes and goes, and lovely is the rose. The moon doth with delight look round her when the heavens are bare. Waters on a starry night are beautiful and fair. The sunshine is a glorious birth, but yet I know, where'er I go, that there hath passed away a glory from the earth. This glory, this way of looking at the world in that childlike way, with clothed with, with, with divinity, clothed with pureness, with freshness. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. Now this is very platonic, very much based on Plato. Which actually, it's interesting because Chazal say the same thing, exactly, with the angel heading. Plato says that all of learning is a remembering. Right? He proves it from, in, in, the, in the classic dialogue, the Mino, he says, he shows a servant, a slave boy, a different, uh, the, and, and he, he waits till the slave was able to hop it on his own. 
He doesn't. He doesn't get to the 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 point. He like sets it up, but then he waits till the slaver hops it on the own. And nobody could have told him because he's a slave boy. He wasn't educated. So Plato brings that. You see, the really all of learning is a remembrance that before our soul came to this world, it was in that celestial pure place and knew the realm of ideas. And then when it comes to this world, it, it forgets everything, which really is what Chazal say, right? That, that, that our souls come from a higher world. We know all of Torah. We learn all of Torah when we're in the wombs of our mother, right? The wombs of our mother is when our soul begins to become separate, something to feel something separate from pure godliness. So, but we still learn the Torah in the womb of the mother. We're still connected. We're still being given the, 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 that connection to, to godliness. And then when the baby's born, we forget the entire Torah, but still there's that baby-like way of experiencing reality. <clears throat> right? To the extent that Chazal even say that, and the Chassidists speak about this a lot, you know, suffer the children for theirs is, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that, that children have a way of connecting to Hashem in a way that, that adults can't. Because of that pureness, because of that not trying to define, you know, uh, um, like you said from Emerson. So our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting. Now it's for it to rise in us, it had to set from someplace else. And cometh from afar, not an entire forgetfulness, and in not an utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. Shades of the prison house, right? So heaven lies about us in our infancy is what we're talking about now. Now listen to this line. This is like you said, Serge. Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. What does that mean? Shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy. Exactly like we said. Yeah, we lose our innocence, our purity, our yeah. vision. Yeah, you st- right. A person has, has their own agenda. But he beholds the light and whence it flows to see it in his joy. The youth who daily farther from the east must travel still as nature's priest. The youth still feels connected to the world that I, the, I, I own the world, right? When you're young, you think you own the, the whole world is yours. You really believe it that the world is your oyster, right? But then the youth who daily farther from the east must travel. What does it mean, daily farther from the east must travel? It's as if like you're a ship going away from that heavenly abode. And by the vision splendid is on his way attended the youth. At length the man perceives it die away and fade into the light of common day. You don't have that sight anymore. Um, all right, let's just skip to the, to the last few lines. We'll skip this. Um, well, it's actually really nice. You know how old children might want to grow up? Except Peter Pan. Except Peter Pan. But children, when they're young, they want to grow up. They always want to be big boys. So, so Wordsworth is not going to say to them, why? Why do you want to lose your way of experiencing the world that pure way? Thou little child, yet glorious in the might of heaven-born freedom on thy being's height. Why with such earnest pains dost thou provoke the years to bring the inevitable yoke Thus blindly with thy blessedness at strife, full so soon thy soul shall have her earthly freight. You're gonna have all the all the the the, the, the burdens that we sh- we schlep, and custom lie upon thee with a weight heavy as frost and deep almost as life. <clears throat> Isn't that like a pessimistic way of looking at the burdens of adulthood? 
But then this is how the poem ends at the very end. These are the last lines of the poem. Thanks to the human heart by which we live, thanks to its tenderness, its joys and fears, to me the meanest flower that blows can give thoughts that do often lie too deep for tears. That's thought that ends with thoughts. Right. That's the epistemology that comes from the optics. That the thoughts, so what does he mean? That I'm able to see in the meanest flower that blows, that can give thoughts that too, do often lie too deep for tears. You could still tap into it, yeah. that um, some sliver of light, you can still tap into it and go beyond his like rational mind and still see it. And like it's too deep for him to like experience it the way he did as a child but it's still there and you can still like act. Like too deep for expression. I think that's what he means by too deep for tears. Like I can't even, I can't express it, even in tears. It's like something so beyond. So that's what the Piazetzner wants us to get to. That childlike way of seeing reality apparelled in celestial light. That's what he said, that that you take away the whole Masoch. Remember, Hasidus says, the truth is that the Masoch, the not seeing of godliness, is also God, is Shem Alekim. Right? So it's, it's, but the Pizetz was saying is it really is epistemological. That's why it's called B'nai Machshavatov. It's really with the mind to be able to have this pure thought that the thought is so strong and so pure and that it's able to overcome the senses that the way you see the world is, is like God, is the way God is manifesting. Within the vision of the world, you see Hashem. I'm sorry, within the vision of Hashem, you see the world. Well, you could say one, either one, actually. So he's saying that, like, there's this one line where he's saying that it is that you will see yourself standing before God's glory in the midst of a great camp of angels. Like, is he saying that that is actually possible for us to experience in one instant? Like, or is he just saying that's, like, the goal that we're striving towards? Because, like, I, I wonder, because I saw this as, like, a very gradual process. Right. But, like, you gradually learn to sharpen the mind. But he's saying, like, in all of a sudden, you have this experience. Is that... It's a really good question. It's a really, really good question. I th- yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. I don't remember. We spoke about it earlier, but there are moments, like in Elon Yom Kippur, where you can you can achieve maybe not this, but some higher level consciousness or tap, like being tapped in, without necessarily going through like the regular self, like the regular process. But I assume, generally speaking, to achieve this like on a more consistent basis, it's more process. He's definitely going to say that that it's the more you work on it, the more you can do it. But the point is that each time is a tearing away of the masach. In other words, you know, the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, in chapter thirteen, he says you're going to feel something about God during davening, and then after davening, it's going to go away. That's mm-hmm. totally normal by Benini, right? But sometimes you have that by davening that all of a sudden it's, you have that taken away of the veil and you like feel how everything is Hashem. You see how everything is Hashem. There's just, you see God's infinite light through everything. You see the letters of the Aleph Beis in everything, Hashem's speech and everything. It's ta- you have that vision, like the, like the Ramam says in the, in, in the Agdama Tamar Navuchim, where he says, he says the Prophet, like everyone's walking in a dark night, a moonless night on the beach. And all of a sudden there's a lightning flash. Right, that's like in a split second, everything's to, you see everything. So I think that's what he means also that, that, that he doesn't mean that it is like a moment of enlightenment. 
they're well i mean i guess you could, but could be. usually right but usually when when the especially in buddhism the 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 connotation of enlightenment is that it happens and then you're then you're there right you've reached the island but here it's that the altar of says in chapter 13 it's every time you daven or in the middle of the day when you when you put your thoughts to it you tear the you tear the curtain away. You know what I'm saying? In other than you you just tear it away and you. It can't happen without the preparation. Right. It has. To, there's a whole hachan. That's what the whole sefer is about. Is that there are hachanas that get you to that moment, and then then it, the the veil is, is torn away. But, and then and, and, and then, then you should be able to recreate that moment. Right. The that, that's the whole point to yeah, self generate right. that ability to take away the veil yes. and all of a sudden just feel like you're standing before God. It's just you and God. It really, it really does seem like he's talking about enlightenment. Like, from that, and this mm. whole thing, like, how he says, like, you'll see the world. Uh-huh. I'm not saying you're going to lose your senses, but you're just going to be in this enlightened. seems very clear, like an enlightened state. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it, it depends what words you're using, right. but it certainly could be yeah. called an enlightened state. It could be called expanded consciousness. Saying, yeah. It could be called expanded consciousness. It could be called, you know... Uh, um, a taste of prophecy. I mean, there are different ways of, of, of talking about that. That that um, that consciousness that transcends intellect, that transcends cognitive thinking, that part of the mind, which, which Rav Cook talks a lot about, that's connected to imagination. Oh, I wanted to read you, actually. Thank you for reminding me. Or thank myself for reminding myself. But I wanted to read you something from Rav Cook. You know, um, Rav Shulman that translated the Bnei Machshavatova, he has a website which is an amazing website. It's not huge, but it has like a lot of really good stuff. It's ravkook.net. Ravkook, one word, dot net. And it's a whole website of translations of Rabbi Yaakov Shulman of Ravkook. So this is in, within the, the website. There's a, a section called Visualization. It's called Visualization. And it's from Eiris HaKodesh, and the name of the chapter is The Liberated Gaze. The Liberated Gaze. The Liberated Gaze, uh-huh. three words. Mm-hmm. The, lib- the Liberated Gaze. It's from Eiris HaKodesh, <clears throat> page 176. Listen, the more you perceive your spiritual state, you hear Yaakov? Mm-hmm. Listen, the more you perceive your spiritual state, the more you will realize that all of your images can be limitless. Your ability to visualize can be fully attained. So visualize to whatever degree greatness and strength. Still, you will attain less than a drop from the ocean of what can be grown and ennobled. Your liberated gaze touched with the joy of refined imagination might satisfy you that still won't approach the smallest degree of the true state of Eden, of Aden, within all of existence, all of which reveals supernal joy, the Aden of the creator of all worlds. So on one hand he's saying, use your imagination, take, allow yourself Visualize whatever degree, greatness, and strength that you can, right? But remember, you're not mamish seeing God. Even the Nevi'im, when they saw God, weren't mamish seeing God. Nobody mamish saw God until Mashiach's going to come. Even Moshe Rabbeinu only came to the 49th level of Bina, right? 
So to completely see God, which is called Eden, it's that the the the, the Rebbe Shab is, is all based on the idea of what's Eden. Eden is higher than Gan Eden. Really, the Gemara Bracha says there's Eden and there's Gan Eden. Gan Eden is where the Neshamas are now. The Gan is the Garden of Eden, where there's Eden, and then there's the Nahar Yitzim Eden. There's a river that comes out of Eden. The Hashkes is a Gan to to give water to the the Gan. So Gan Eden is where the souls are now, where they're getting the river, the revelation from Eden to the Gan. Eden itself, the Gemara says, Ein Leirasa Nobody saw it yet. Eden is an experience of God's essence, of actually seeing God like that. So that's what Cook says. We have to know that whatever our liberated gaze touched with the joy of refined imagination, don't let it satisfy you. Know that this, it still won't approach the smallest degree of the true state of Aden. But then Rav Cook says, listen to the words, within all of existence. Mom's like the Piazetzner saying, this essence of Hashem you're going to see within existence. Right? When Mashiach comes, we're going to see God in the physical. All of which reveals supernal joy, the Aden of creator of all worlds. Anyway, Rav is it any more clear at all? And once you get there, then what? Exactly, while still alive. It's, it's, you, you, your experience of God becomes so close. In the words of Chazal, which he's going to quote also, that while you're alive, you're in the Gan, you're in Gan of Eden. You're in, you're seeing Hashem. Your your experience of God becomes that much closer. Why is Zoom better than a phone call? Because you see the person. Exactly, and therefore you can connect. Right. Then what's the next level? So the, in seeing, there are many levels, like we even know by the Nevi'im, right? It says, what's the difference in levels of Nevi'im? How many Mesochim there were? How many partitions there were? That's Bechlal. I mean, it's already late. I feel bad. Can I say a couple more minutes? If anyone wants to go, you can go. But that's Bechlal also that to understand when you say what comes next. <clears throat> Let's say for a second. Chumash... What's the halacha? If you have a chumash and navi, are you allowed to put the navi on a chumash? No. Halacha is, you can't put the navi on the chumash, right? Have a gemara and navi. Could you put the gemara on the navi? No. No. Let me ask you. The gemara are the words of God. We believe it's Tevele Kim Chaim. The words of the gemara we believe are the words of God. The words of navi are the words of God. And chumash is the word of God. What makes the difference of Kedusha? What makes that difference? Advance. Exactly. Abai and Rava don't say, Koyamar Hashem. Why don't the Abai and Rava say, Koyamar Hashem? Because their brain is what's perceiving it. It goes through the veil, it's completely enclosed itself in their in understanding. They don't feel as a revelation from God. They understand as a... Yeah. So therefore, it's less kedusha. What does that mean? It's not openly felt to be the revelation. There are more partitions. Navi, 
What's the difference between Chumash and Navi? We know Spaklaria, the, the Chazal say, Moshe's are Baspaklaria Meira, and the other Navim are Spaklaria Sheena Meira. One of the ways that's understood is a Spaklaria Meira is like a clear window, as opposed to stained glass window. Seeing through a clear window, you have a vision of it. Seeing through a stained glass window, you don't see it as it is. So the answer to your question is, that's the many levels of Navua. That's exactly what the different levels of Nevoah are. That's what the B'nai Nevi'im were trying to do, to take off the Mesochim. And, and it's, there are infinite levels. Like I said, Moshe Rabbeinu only got to the 49th level of Bina. The more a person trains oneself to have this visualization, the more it becomes Nechkak. It becomes, you know... And this is, this is Mamish Chassidus 101. In Tanya, he says a million times this idea. Ezu Chacham... Who could finish this? Ezu Chacham? No? That's one, one way Chazal say, right? But not them. What's the other one? Harayas Anoilad. What does that mean? Who is the wise person? What does it mean, Harayas Anoilad? <coughs> no? Sees the outcome. Noilad literally means consequence of, of, of whatever, right? Of whatever you're experiencing. You know the Noilad. What does Noilad literally mean? What's going to be born of this? Harayas Anoilad. You know. So, but the Alter Rebbe says he brings in Tanya from the that's in from the Magid already in Balshemtiv. What's the meaning of Chachma? And we'll talk about this a little more next week. Because Chachma is connected to Reiya. Chachma is connected to Reiya. We spoke about this in also Shabbos morning. We spoke about Emuna connected to Chachma. Ezu Chacham who is Bittel Haroya Sanoilad Shiroya es Kola Metzias Echshanoilad Veneshave Meayin Liyesh Kol Rega. You see the Noilad. You see the world coming to existence every moment from God. You see that the world is right now Hashem speaking into existence. You look at the world and the world isn't as strong as it was. You see it now. You visualize that right now Hashem is making His light manifest as everything. That's, that's Mamash Chassidus. That's basic. That's Tanya. That's in all the Svarim. That's, that's the Nakuda. And that's the B'nai Mach You've spoken in uh, Shabbat Shalom also about the difference between your mind's eye and your physical eye. Exactly. I was going to wait till next week, but yeah, that's the nakuda that Tanya calls that you see through your your mind's eye through the physical eye seeing. And this is this. this is, that's what he's talking about here. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So and there is no end point because to your point, like what 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 happens after, we're only still scratching the surface on our level, and there's always more revelation and. That we can experience, right? Because yeah, we'll never of course. There's a story of the Alter Rebbe when he was on his deathbed. When the Alter Rebbe was deathly sick, he called over the Tzamach Tzedek, his grandson, and said, what do you see? And Tzamach Tzedek, I see the rafters of the ceiling. And the Alter Rebbe said, I, I already don't see the rafters anymore. I just see the Koyach Eliki, Koyach Apol Benifal. I just see the divine energy, the, the Koach, the revelation of the Dur within the Dun, the revelation of... I, I just see the Isis, I just see the letters of God. I don't see the physical anymore. So that's a level Alter ever reached. That he didn't see the world anymore. He just saw the Elokos in the world. But for us, <laughs> to go away from this stuff, it's like, you know, it's like thinking I was going to send you a voice today on the Noel Melimel because it was like, it's great to read, but it's like, it's so. Beyond. But I said that in today's voice. I know, and it was like, I, I was like, oh my gosh. I said it's a book for tzaddikim. Yeah, I know. It was very it, clear. It was, <laughs> and it's really fascinating stuff, but at the same time, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. What's our practical 
I mean, at the end of the day, we're all davening. We're doing the best we can. We have thoughts in our head. They're coming in and out. And some days you have good davening, and some days you don't. And some days you have a moment, and some days you don't. And, or you have multiple moments in the day, and that's it. I, I don't, I don't want to have a visualization. I think it's, it's bad form to think of like, I have to get a vision in my head of a curtain pulling apart with angels in front of me. Like, I don't even know what that looks like, so I wouldn't even want to put a vision. You don't have to have a vision like that in your head anyway. So it's like, the end of the day, the goal for us is to clear our heads and to be connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu as much as we possibly could through the practice of doing more, maybe reading to him when things are good or things are bad, like connecting more often, doing more often so that like, you're, it'll help your davening. Like, what is the practicality here? So the practicality is not doing more. Yeah. Even though, obviously it's true, I should have said this to Shlaim also, that the end game, the result of this closeness Hashem attained through vision is that you will keep to our mitzvahs more, right? Because that's the way you actually connect with the essence of God. But <clears throat> the end game is not doing more. The end game is, and you should try this. And this is what I have to answer you. Don't yeah. try it during davening. Try it when you're walking down the street. When you look at... You, you look at, Just to see Hashem and everything. Whatever you're looking at, you see leaves, you see trees, you see people, mm-hmm. and think about, use your machshava, mm-hmm. how every person you see is breathing right now. Right? And, so, and God is making their thoughts come into being. And God's light is manifesting as these leaves and in this wind yeah. and in this dog. And you just keep thinking about that and train your mind to see the world as the garments of Hashem. And remember that God's light is in it. The Marissa to always see the Noilad, see how the world is coming to existence. Mm. So, so it's, it's a training. It's and don't do don't start by davening. It's worth it to Stavka start now and Davka by davening. Yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, I'm just. I was looking more for like you're getting to a very high level, and I was like, I was like, well, what's our practical takeaway? But that is, that's practical. It's, so he's yeah, he's it, gonna. It, you should know, Evan. I want to just tell you. There's a lot of practical stuff in here. Look at the I, next. Look at the next words. Okay, we stopped already, but. Look at the next words. It's not hard for you to point to it, yeah. Let me, let me, let me read it in English because it will take less time. I just wanted Mamash a couple lines after it's we not, stopped. He said... Not, I think it's where you are. Yeah. Um, it's a few lines above. We're not we are not fan- telling you fantasies, right? Nor are we speaking of matters that so transcend the world and nature that only elevated personalities can reach them. Mm-hmm. These are things that every Jew can assuredly and certainly attain with a little effort as long as the effort is constant. These matters do not conflict with nature. Right? So is the end game to take away the pain? Which pain? That's a that's a that's a it's not the end game. Well which pain are you uh, talking about taking away? The pain most of us existential maybe only some of us No, I know I earthly the the dagas and the pain. Oh, if that's what you mean then yes. There's a there's a phrase in there's a phrase in Yiddish. Huh? I think I said that's not the goal, it's a totsah. Right. Taking away the pain is a totsah. Yeah, it's not the goal, but it's a totsah. So so and uh it's phrasing not the goal. Because the goal is not so utilitarian. The goal is not to have this, you know, this disease or this pain go away. The goal is to connect with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. The goal is to be divine, to, to connect to the divine. And when you connect, then as a result, then the, the pains that we experience in our earthly state are not, they're not present. It's I mean, you know, goal. even Litvaks talk about the fact that the ultimate point of life is Dveikus. It's in the Rishonim already, right? Ramchal talks about it. What's Dveikus? 
constant communion with God, constant consciousness of God. I was going to say, take away the pain, there's a phrase in Yiddish, Zognisht vi, to the Ebishter vigrace the Tsar zayin, and Zogd the Tsar's vigrace the Ebishter is. Don't tell God how big your Tsars are, tell your Tsars how big God is. That's a good one. In other words, that's exactly what you're right that the pain goes away. Like that. That the Olam has less Tefis Mokum. The world has less Tefis Mokum. The world doesn't bother you as much. And, and yeah, so it does take away the pain, but you know, it, it shouldn't, like, like uh, Regalib said, it shouldn't just be you know, a spiritual uh, to become comfortably numb, like Pink Floyd said, right? It's not just to become comfortably numb. The opposite, you shouldn't, that's why I said, when you said pain, that's why I said what you mean, because Fakert, I just saw from the Rebbe Shab last night, you know, that says in Kehelis, Yosef Das, Yosef Machoiv. What does that mean? The more Das you have, the more pain you have. Which, what does it mean in Kehelis? He means that the more person, the smarter you are, the more you see the suffering of the world. Come neurotic. Come neurotic. The more you see the, the, the lie of the world, the, the, the more pain you have, the more alienation you have. But the Rebbe Shab said in a positive way, well, not positive, but the more das and elokus you have, the more pain you have from how far you are from God. Mm-hmm. The more das you have, the more you see, the more, like the Pizatsa said, it's only, it, it, Rav Cook said, it's only a, a drop from the ocean. And the, the, the opposite, the more you feel that you, this isn't the essence of what God is, that, you know, this is the chitzainis, I'm only seeing the chitzainis of the external rays of God's light. When am I going to see pneelikim? It has more pain. That's the good pain. The pain that you're supposed to have, that I want God. And the more pain you have that you want God, the less the pain of Elam Haz is going to be Teifus Makum. It's exactly true. But, like, but it's a Teitzah. It's not the goal. The goal is the Dveikas Tashem. So Evan, what's the spirit in the room now? It's elevated. <laughs> okay. I like that better than the library. It's a calm feeling. I feel like the is stressing the Tell me right now, are you looking at my lips? Now, I'm <laughs> now you are. Yeah. But before you weren't. Right. You didn't see the form of my lips. You saw me. The lips were bottle to me. You understand? Mm-hmm. They were nu- the lips were nullified within the general vision of when you looked at me. Like when you imagine you, you have this beautiful view out the, uh, you know, at the window of a large building. If I said to you, did you see a tree? Yeah, but I didn't see the tree. I saw the bigger picture. That's where Rav Kook, I was going to lead to the next week, but Rav Kook always talks about the Skira Klalit. The Hitachdut, Hitachdut Kolelet, that, that vision that includes vision, that comes from Hegel. That inclusive vision, where you see all of reality in one absolute. <clears throat> Good thing you brought the beer. You needed it. Yeah, really.